Hello, I'm Mary, and you're listening to First Pages Readings. In this podcast, I explore reading and celebrate books as cultural messengers. Each episode, I'll read from three books of either fiction, nonfiction, young adult, middle grade, or poetry. Hello and welcome to First Pages Readings, episode 46. And thanks for joining me. Today I'll be reading from three books of nonfiction, so let's get started. Today's first book is The History of the Medieval World by Susan Wise Bauer. The second book in the author's History of the World series begins around the year 300 and ends around 1100. The book's scope is wide and covers politics, religion, and culture in the Middle East, Asia, Europe, North Africa, and more. I learned a lot while reading this book, and because the narrative reads like fiction, it's like reading engaging storytelling. Chapters can be read standalone, so the book can be opened at any chapter to discover interesting historical events and people and facts. If you're interested in the Middle Ages, this book includes exhaustive research and is fascinating and fun to read. The First Page of the History of the Medieval World One Empire Under God Between 312 and 330, Constantine imposes his will on the Roman Empire and gives the Christian Church a hand with its doctrine. On the morning of October 29, 312, the Roman soldier Constantine walked through the gates of Rome at the front of his army. He was 40 years old, and for six years he had been struggling to claim the crown of the Imperator. Less than 24 hours before, he had finally beaten the sitting emperor of Rome, 29-year-old Maxentius, at the Battle of the Milvian Bridge. Constantine's men had fought their way forward across the bridge, toward the city of Rome, until the defenders broke and ran. Maxentius drowned, pulled down into the mud of the riverbed by the weight of his armor. The Christian historian Lactantius tells us that Constantine's men marched into Rome with a sign of Christ marked on each shield. The Roman writer Zosimus adds that they also carried Maxentius's waterlogged head on the tip of a spear. Constantine had dredged the body up and decapitated it. Constantine settled into the imperial palace to take stock of his new empire, dealing at once with Maxentius's supporters. He ordered immediate but judicious executions. Only Maxentius's nearest friends fell victim to the new regime. He dissolved the Praetorian Guard, the standing imperial bodyguard that had supported Maxentius's claim to the throne. He also packaged Maxentius's head and shipped it south to North Africa as a message to the young man's supporters that it was time to switch allegiances. Then he turned to deal with his co-emperors. His victory over Maxentius had given him a crown, but not the entire empire. Thirty years earlier, his predecessor Diocletian had appointed co-rulers to share the job of running the vast Roman territories, a system that had spawned multiple lines of succession. (music) 
Today's next book is Istanbul, A Tale of Three Cities by Bettany Hughes. This is a fascinating book that describes the history of the peninsula city that serves as a doorway to Europe and Asia. Having been the capital city of the Roman, Byzantine, and Ottoman empires, its history is deep in culture and politics and religion as a result of its many evolutions. This book is rich with details around diverse topics like the Christian conversion of Byzantium, the Ottoman conquest of Constantinople, the city's influence on the West, and more. The first page of Istanbul, A Tale of Three Cities. Bones, Stones, and Mud, 800,000 to 5500 B.C. Suddenly a huge wave rose up before them, arced like a steep rock, and at the sight they bowed with bended heads. Then a vaulted billow rushed upon them, and the ship, like a cylinder, ran on the furious wave, plunging through the hollow sea, and the eddying current held her between the clashing rocks, and on each side they shook and thundered, and the ship's timbers were held fast. Then Athena, with her left hand, thrust back one mighty rock, and with her right hand pushed the ship through. That was a quote from Apollonius Rhodius describing Jason's journey through the Bosphorus, the Argonautica. A coffin might seem an odd place to start. In 2011, tucked up under the new Yenikapita metro station in the center of modern-day Istanbul, opposite shops selling dusters and plastic buckets, a body was found. Curled into a fetal position, orientated southwest-northeast, cradled within a lattice of wood beneath and a single piece of wood above, surrounded by wattle-and-daub Neolithic houses, with funerary urns nearby, this Stone Age woman was buried in what is, to date, the world's oldest wooden coffin. The 8,000-year-old remains are either a unique find, unusually well-preserved in the anaerobic conditions of Istanbul's mud, or instead, a unique insight into the burial practices of our Neolithic Anatolian ancestors. Dating to the period 6300 to 5800 BC, close in time to the world's earliest known formal town, Çatalhöyük in central Turkey, the young woman lying here was clearly attempting a good life for herself. In the same excavation, archaeologists have found in an oily layer beneath the seabed itself, the tools, including a wooden shovel, seeds, and burnt organic remains that belonged to her social group. Some think the shovel was in fact a canoe oar, making it the earliest ever found, again 8,000 years old. Remarkably, too, well over a thousand human footprints from this prehistoric hamlet have survived. Today's third book is Cleopatra, the Queen Who Challenged Rome and Conquered Eternity, by Alberto Angela. This account of the Egyptian queen, who at a young age was a skilled diplomat and pivotal leader, addresses the roughly 15-year period that began with the assassination of Julius Caesar, the end of the Roman Republic, and the beginnings of the Augustan Empire. Historical facts are recounted alongside creative storytelling. As the author says in the book's preface, 
His intent was to breathe life into history. For Cleopatra, I'll read from the first page of the book's preface. Cleopatra is a name that summons definite images and feelings in every one of us. In our mind's eye, we immediately see the face of a stunning-looking, intelligent, and elegant woman with a deep gaze and oozing sensuality. We're immediately enveloped by the charm of ancient Egypt and Rome. We automatically associate her name with Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony, and the two greatest love stories of all time. Few figures from the past can arouse such powerful feelings in us, even though they lived a long, long time ago, more than 2,000 years ago to be precise. But how could this have happened? How did a delicate, lone woman in an ancient world dominated by men lead the kingdom of Egypt to its greatest expansion ever and become one of history's brightest stars? It's a question I have tried to answer in this book. I've tried to discover who Cleopatra really was, how she managed to seduce and conquer some of Rome's greatest men, like Caesar and Mark Anthony, and to what she owed her extraordinary talent for strategy in the field of geopolitics. You will see emerge the figure of an amazingly modern woman, one very different from what we expect. It's precisely Cleopatra's modernity that allowed her to stand out so powerfully in ancient history. Even now, she would most probably have left her mark on politics, industry, or high finance. But since she lived more than two millennia ago, she had a crucial influence on her world. One of the driving forces behind this book was to try to discover the importance of her role at one of ancient history's pivotal moments. Of course, it escapes no one's notice that she lived at a turning point between two great civilizations, ancient Egypt and Rome. But that's not all. She was present at the exact stage when the long history of the kingdoms of Egypt, including the pharaohs, ended, and that of the Roman Empire began through the Principate of Augustus. I could summarize the life and times of Cleopatra in just a few words. The twilight of a kingdom and the dawn of an empire. Thank you for spending time with me today. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe.